Good evening and welcome uh, to Bible study. Uh, we're continuing our study on the attributes or the perfections of God. And uh, as I thought about that, you know, there are many things uh, that we can study, uh, but there is nothing so spectacular and so essential than the study of God's person. Uh, so tonight we're going to consider uh, the next omni. Uh, and if you remember, uh, this uh, prefix omni is Latin, meaning all. And the second word for tonight, science, means knowledge. So very simply, um, tonight we're learning that God possesses all knowledge. Uh, but as you'll soon see, there's a little bit more to it when we consider our definition. Uh, but Psalm 147, uh, verse 5, uh, puts it very simply and succinctly. It says, great is our Lord. And of great power, his understanding is infinite. Okay, so his understanding, his knowledge is unlimited. There's nothing that he does not know. And the fact that we're studying this tonight, okay, we're seeking to learn more about God. We're desiring to increase our knowledge of the one who possesses all knowledge uh, is a vivid reminder that you and I are not God because we do not possess all knowledge hence we have to do this study okay so let's take a journey together tonight and consider this particular perfection of our great and glorious god and i will say this at the end of the study uh, if we're not awestruck as we ponder these things it probably means two things number one i did a really bad job which i hope it's that's not the case uh, or number two there's something wrong with us spiritually okay we, we should really be struck by everything about our God, but I think particularly this, as we think through the reality that he knows everything. Okay, so with the focus of our study determined, let's ask for God's help, and then we'll get into the study. So let's pray. Father, there is nothing more worthy or worthwhile to study than your glorious person. But Lord, we desperately need your help as we seek to understand things that are way beyond us, uh, please stretch our finite minds. Please grow our limited understanding. Uh, please warm our often cold hearts and uh, help us to be struck uh, by the wonder of your glorious person as we consider uh, this particular attribute. We ask this in Jesus' name and for Jesus' sake. Amen. You know, it's estima estimated that worldwide uh, $5 trillion was spent last year on education. Five trillion dollars. Uh, that's a lot of money spent to overcome the ignorance of humanity. Okay, we are all born ignorant and spend uh, most of our lives trying to overcome it. Uh, we have all spent significant time and money on education, okay, on growing and increasing our knowledge. Okay, most people spend 11 to 13 years at school. Uh, some people love that time, others are. Uh, hate it and normally once that's completed we usually spend more time studying often at university or TAFE or some other institution now much time and money is invested into our education parents pay much to educate their children uh, a lot of you either have right now or you have had in the past uh, quite large education debts and have spent scary amounts of time studying. And this actually never stops. Okay, we need to continue developing and upskilling professional development. That, that's a massive industry today. And yet despite this emphasis on education, whether we like to admit it or not, we actually remain quite ignorant. That there's still so much that we don't no. And this is something that I've experienced. The older that I get, the more that I'm realizing how much I actually don't know. I remember when I started Bible college, Pastor Davey said something. He said, after three years, okay, you will study all of this stuff. And at the end, you will realize how little you actually know. And that's how I felt when I finished Bible college. I learned all of this stuff, but I realized there is so much I don't know. And that's just about one particular area. Okay, the biggest area, of course, being theology. But we are still um, quite ignorant. You know, even in the fields of our expertise, there is still so much that we don't know. 
And then we all have areas where we possess immense ignorance. Okay, there are a lot of areas that I know very little to nothing about. Now, there are two common sayings that help us to grasp our lack of knowledge. The first saying is this, you learn something new every day. Okay, there's not a day that passes where you don't learn something new. So that's saying one. And saying two, okay, that there are countless moments in our life when we think, if only I had have known then what I know now. Okay, have you ever had one of those moments? Okay, now these sayings help us to understand our ignorance. And yet God has never had this problem. God doesn't learn something new every day. In fact, okay, think about this. God has never learnt anything. Okay, let, let that sink in. God has had no teacher, no tutor, no lecturer. God has not been educated. He never attended school. He never went to university. He never requires upskilling or personal development. And he's never once thought, if only I had have known then what I know now, then things would be very different. God has never had one of those moments because God possesses perfect and complete knowledge of all things. He has no knowledge gaps. He contains no ignorance. He knows everything there is to know. He possesses infinite knowledge. He is omniscient. And this is what we learn about God from the Bible. Okay, God reveals himself in the Bible as the one who knows all things. Okay, the scriptures are very clear that this is a perfection of God. Okay, this is not something merely invented by some theologians. This is taught in the scriptures, and that's very important. Now, here are some examples. Okay, I've listed these on your outline sheet. So Psalm 147 and verse 5 says, Great is the Lord and of great power. His understanding is infinite. Okay, this word understanding speaks of knowledge, of intelligence, of wisdom, of understanding. And the Lord possesses infinite or, or an unlimited amount. Okay, in other words, there is nothing, nothing at all that he does not know. Okay, Isaiah 40 verses 13 and 14 says, Who hath directed the spirit of the Lord, or being his counselor hath taught him? With whom took he counsel and who instructed him? And taught him in the path of judgment, and taught him knowledge, and showed to him the way of understanding. Okay, God has taken counsel from no one because he doesn't require it. Okay, one with perfect knowledge does not require counsel. Okay, he's never been instructed, he's never been taught, he has been shown nothing, discovered nothing, learnt nothing. Okay, why? Because he possesses and he has always possessed complete and perfect knowledge. The next portion of scripture is found in Romans chapter 11. Okay, this concludes with a, a glorious benediction. And the Apostle Paul has just concluded his comprehensive explanation of the gospel. And as he stood back and, and he pondered what had been written. Okay, it's like you and I pondering a glorious sunset or, or a clear night skies. And as he gazed upon the spectacular wonder of the gospel, praise just comes flooding out. And verses 33 to 36 says, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord or who hath been his counselor or who hath first given to him and it shall be recompensed unto him again for of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. So we see here that 
God's knowledge and his wisdom is too vast, it's too deep, it's too wide for us to comprehend. Only he could come up with the gospel, that's the idea in context. And, And we don't know his mind, it's beyond us because it's infinite and he has no need for counsel because he knows all things. Okay, Psalm 139, Uh, this is a glorious chapter, and if you're not familiar with it, I'd encourage you to read through it a few times tonight. Uh, In in this chapter, the the greatness of God's person is explored and explained, and it commences by considering the omniscience of God. This is contained in the first six verses, and it says this, O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my down-sitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thought far off. Thou compassest my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. Okay, that this is uh, strikingly personal and intimate. The Lord knows everything that there's to know about the psalmist. Okay, so, so the Lord's knowledge is not just general knowledge. Okay, he doesn't just understand perfectly all the, the varying disciplines, but it's also personal. Okay, he knows everything about individuals. We see here that he knows the big things and the small things, the public and private. He knows all of his words, thoughts, dreams, and desires. There is nothing about the psalmist that's hidden from the Lord. There's no secrets. Every detail is perfectly known. You know, the Lord's knowledge of him is the kind of exhaustive knowledge one might expect to possess after extensive research and investigation but of course with god no such effort is required okay but the lord possesses this complete knowledge of the psalmist and he possesses this complete knowledge of you and he possesses this complete knowledge of every individual that has ever existed from adam up until now and to every individual that will ever exist Again, think about that. Hopefully that's really starting to blow your mind. Next portion of scripture is Ezekiel chapter 11 and verse 5, which says, And the Spirit of the Lord fell upon me and said unto me, Speak. Thus saith the Lord, Thus have you said, O house of Israel, for I know the things that come into your mind, every one of them. Again, think about that. I know, this is the Lord speaking, the things that come into your mind, Every one of them. You know, sometimes we think that uh, we can read people's minds, uh, but really we've got very little idea what's happening in someone's mind. And if we're honest, we're quite thankful that people are not inside our minds. But the thing is, God does know our minds. Okay, so, so not only does God possess all academic knowledge, but he knows all your thoughts, all your motives, all your desires. He knows what's happening inside you. Okay, that there's nothing that anyone of all time has thought or desired that God did not know. Okay, this is seen very clearly in 1 Chronicles 28 and verse 9. This chapter contains David's public charge to Solomon. And in verse 9, it says of God, For the Lord searcheth all hearts and understandeth all the imaginations of the thoughts. Okay, so the Lord knows everything in our hearts and minds. Okay, that the deepest, darkest parts of us are known perfectly to God. There are no secrets with him not even our sin is secret okay we see this in psalm 90 and verse 8 which says thou hast set our iniquities before thee our secret sins in the light of thy countenance you know we all have secret sins uh, 
things that we don't want others to know about. Yeah, and this is the deception of sin. Okay, we, we think that sin can just be our little secret and no one can know, and, and no one will know. But understand, there is no sin that can be hidden from God. Whether that's an action, an attitude, an affection, all is seen and all is known by the Lord. Okay, there is no such thing as a secret sin before the Lord. And then Hebrews 4.13 says, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Now, God knows everything there is to know about every single creature. Okay, there is no creature in heaven, on earth, or in, in hell, past, present, or future, that God does not know perfectly and completely. Okay, all stands naked before him. Okay, what this means is that there is no way to hide anything from God. Okay, so there are a collection of scriptures that make it very clear to us that God possesses all knowledge. Okay, there's nothing hidden from him. He, he discovers nothing. He learns nothing. All that there is to know, he knows, and he has always known it so having seen the scriptures affirm god's omniscience let's consider some more detailed definitions now aw pink he offers this definition and this is uh, in your notes he says god knows everything everything possible everything actual all events all creatures of the past the present and the future He's perfectly acquainted with every detail in the life of every being in heaven, in earth, and in hell. Nothing escapes his notice. Nothing can be hidden from him. Nothing is forgotten by him. He never errs, never changes, never overlooks anything. And then Tozer, he expands on this definition. He says, God has never learned from anyone. God cannot learn. Could God at any time or in any manner receive into his mind knowledge that he did not possess and had not possessed from eternity, he would be imperfect and less than himself. To think of a God who must sit at the feet of a teacher, even though that teacher be an archangel or a seraph, is to think of someone other than the Most High God, maker of heaven and earth. God knows instantly and effortlessly all matter and all matters. All mind and every mind, all spirits and all spirits, all being and every being, all creaturehood and all creatures, every plurality and all pluralities, all law and every law, all relations, all causes, all thoughts, all mysteries, all, all enigmas, all feelings, all desires, every unuttered secret, all thrones and dominions, all personalities, all things visible and invisible in heaven and in earth, motion, space, time, life, death, good, evil, heaven and hell. And because God knows all things perfectly, he knows no thing better than any other, but all things equally well. He never discovers anything. He's never surprised, never amazed. He never wonders about anything, nor does he seek information or ask questions isn't that astonishing isn't isn't that astounding and I, I hope if you haven't already that you're quickly struck by awe this, this is incredible there is nothing at all that God does not know you know has it ever occurred to you that nothing ever occurs to God isn't that staggering there is no news to God there is nothing that surprises him. There is nothing that confuses him. There is nothing for him to learn. He has all the answers and he understands all things perfectly. Now, there are a few things that I would like to emphasize when it comes to God's omniscience. Okay, so number one, this knowledge includes past, present and future. 
He remembers everything from the past. He's familiar with everything that is happening at this very moment, and he's already aware of everything that will happen in the days to come. Number two, he knows everything about everything. He has perfect knowledge of himself. Okay, only God has that. He knows all that there is to know about every academic discipline. He possesses all general knowledge. He knows every fun fact. He knows about every historical event. Knows every language. He, he knows what has happened, what could have happened, and what will happen. He has perfect knowledge of every individual that has ever existed. Okay, if we were able to combine all of the knowledge possessed by every individual throughout all of history. Okay, there was a way to pull all of that together that would still come nowhere near God. Okay, and, and again, what a thought that would be. Think about even today, all the knowledge that we possess, if we could pull all of that together, that's still like a grain of sand when it comes to God's knowledge. Number three, he knows everything that could have happened. Now, this is referred to by theologians as middle knowledge. Okay, and this is quite a, a big topic, but very simply, God not only knows all things that happen, but he also knows all things which would have happened under different circumstances. So he knows what would have happened if Adam didn't eat the fruits. He knows what would have happened if David didn't sleep with Bathsheba and kill her husband. Okay, he knows what would happen if you turn left instead of right. Okay, all possibilities are known by him. And we have an example of this in the ministry of Jesus. Okay, Matthew chapter 11, verses 20 and 21, it says this. It says, Then began he to abrade the cities, wherein most of his mighty works were done, because they repented not. Woe unto thee, Cherizen, woe unto thee, Bethsaida, for if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. So Jesus knew that those cities would have repented had they been given the privileges that Israel had received. Okay, if they had have seen all of the miracles, they would have repented in sackcloth and ashes. Hence he knows all possibilities, even if they never eventuate. Number four, he knows all things equally well. Okay, so God knows all things, but also he knows all things perfectly. He knows no thing better than any other thing, but all things equally well. So it's not like he is an expert on some subjects, but lacking a little bit in others. But rather he knows all things about everything equally well number five god has never learned anything nor has he had a teacher it's important for us to understand that god has possessed perfect and complete knowledge for all eternity god has never had a teacher he has never learned anything again think about that god has never learned one thing he never took a class it's not like that the Trinity had to be studying in eternity past in order to possess this knowledge, but rather he has always been omniscient. Why? Because this is who he is. Okay, this is not just something that he possesses, but this is his essence. This characterizes who God is. Number six. All knowledge comes from God. Okay, all the drops of knowledge that any creature possesses, that comes from God. Okay, all the knowledge in every creature that ever was, is, or shall be was derived from him. Okay, Paul teaches this in Colossians chapter 2. Okay, in verse 3, he says, In whom, this is speaking of Christ, okay, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So God is the fountain from which all knowledge flows. 
And number seven, God's knowledge is infallible. Okay, you and I, we can know many things, but it may not necessarily be true. Okay, we can know and believe something sincerely and be sincerely wrong. You know, we, we've seen this throughout history as things advance. Okay, we learn new things, change our approach, and the old approach can look quite foolish. You look back and go, why in the world did doctors ever deal with it that way compared to what we do today? Okay, Google knows lots of things, but it's not infallible. There may be more error than truth, I'm not sure, but with God, to understand his knowledge is free from all error. Number eight, God's knowledge is instantaneous. Okay, and this is very similar to a point that I've already made, but I'd like to stress it again. Okay, our knowledge is successive and progressive. Okay, it grows, it builds one thing after another. Okay, but God's knowledge has never been like this. He has always possessed perfect knowledge. Okay, number nine, God's knowledge is retentive. Okay, what this means is that the Lord never loses any of his knowledge. He remembers everything. Okay, this is one of the biggest bugbears of my life. Um, I read an awful lot of stuff, but I don't remember much stuff. It drives me crazy. Someone will ask me a question. I'll be like, I've read a whole book on that, but I can't remember the answer to your question. Really frustrates me. So many things slip out of my mind, and I think that's something that we all struggle with. Have you ever gone into an exam and you've studied and you've studied and you've studied and it gets like to the first question, you have a mind blank and you can't remember the answer? Um, that happens to us, but that never happens to God. God forgets nothing. Okay, God's knowledge is eternalized. So things that happened a, a thousand years ago are as fresh in his mind as though they happened today. All things are perfectly retained in God's knowledge. So this is what we mean when we speak of God's omniscience. He possesses eternally perfect and complete knowledge of everything. Okay, of what has happened. Of what could have happened. What is happening and what will happen. And his knowledge extends to every sphere, every category, every discipline, every individual, every being, every event, every law, every cause. Okay, there are no mysteries with the Lord. There are no unsolved cases. There are no secrets hidden from him. That there is no attitude, action, or affection in the mind and heart of any individual that has existed throughout all of history that he does not know perfectly. He's never learnt anything. He's never been taught anything. He forgets nothing. His knowledge is free from all error. He's the source and fountain of all knowledge. And he has always possessed this perfect knowledge. And he always will. My friend, this is our omniscient God. And if that doesn't fill us with awe, if that doesn't fill us with adoration, then there's a fair chance we're spiritually sick. You know, that, that should just strike us. This is our God. This is astounding. This is astonishing. This is amazing. Whatever superlative you wish to use, God knows everything there is to know, including everything about you. So having endeavored to explain this perfection, I'd like to consider 10 ways this ought to challenge, confront, change, and comfort us. Okay, so 10 ways this applies to our lives. Number one's the longest, and then they kind of get shorter as I go. So number one, there are no secret sins with God. We all are, okay, right now, or we have previously tried to hide our sin from others. Okay, this is something that we all possess a high level of competency at achieving. Okay, we can tend to hide much from other people. 
We can hide sin from those closest to us, but understand that doesn't work with God. Never has and it never will. He knows about all of our sin. He, he knows about our filthy habits. He, he knows our fleshly susceptibilities, the fantasies that we rehearse in our minds. He knows our internet browser history. He knows the things that we would do if we were given the opportunity and there was no consequences. He knows what we really desire. He knows what we're really like. He knows what we utter, sorry, mutter under our breath. He knows about the anger and the bitterness that are simmering away deep inside your hearts. And you know, we can try and cover our tracks to the best of our ability. We can try and hide things. We can have all kinds of webs of secrecy. But understand that's all futile with God. Doesn't work. He knows all of your sin. Past, present, and future. And that should make us feel a little bit uncomfortable. I hope it does. It should. Right now you should feel uncomfortable that God knows that. It ought to be a motivation to pursue personal holiness by his grace. But this is the point that I want to make. Stop trying to hide it. Why are you trying to hide sin from God? That, that doesn't make any sense. God already knows. Okay, you aren't fooling him. You're only fooling yourself. So bring it to the light. Repent. Make it right. Okay, stop believing the lie that's straight from the pit of hell. That being that sin is secret. Because there's no such thing with God. Think of King David. King David went to great lengths to try and cover up his sin. But God knew all about it. And that's the same with us. And hence, we need to forsake the lie of secret sin. Okay? There's no secret sin with God. So hence, bring it to the light. And my friend, you don't have to be concerned that God will disown you. Or that God will be shocked and mortified like a parent when they hear this horrible thing about their child for the very first time. Like, I had, I had no idea that my child was like that. Okay, because God already knows. Okay, God knows what you've done. But the thing is, he's waiting for you. He wants you to confess. And if you confess, okay, you sincerely repent, he will forgive you. Okay, stop. Trying to hide your sin from God. It doesn't work. <laughs> Number two. You can't bargain with God. Have you ever tried to negotiate with God? And what I mean by that is, okay, uh, God, if you do this for me, then I will never do this again. <laughs> or if you do this for me, then I will do this for you. It's like you're trying to broker some kind of deal with the Lord. Lord, I'll read my Bible and pray every day for the rest of the year if you take care of this need. I'll attend church more faithfully if you get me out of this situation. I'm in a real mess. I need you to get me out of here. And if you do that, I'll do this for you. You know, I'll serve you in this ministry if you give me that boy or that girl that I so desperately desire and, and so on. We know this is foolish to try and negotiate with God in this way. And yet it's something that most honest Christians would acknowledge that they have done throughout their lives at some point. But here's the thing. You cannot convince God to act a certain way by presenting him an offer of conditional obedience or reward. Okay, why? Well, he already knows exactly how you'll act in all of those if-then scenarios. Okay, you just imagine that. You're like, God, if you get me out of this, I'll do this. And God's like, well, I've got news for you. No, you won't. Okay, I can already see what you would do. Okay, any argument that you present cannot offer any new insight to him. He knows what you will do or, or not do. And hence, it's futile and foolish to bargain with God's. Number three, you can't fool God. Okay, most of us are quite good at uh, putting on a facade. I think particularly when we come to church or we are around other Christian people. And we spray on the Christian deodorant, put on the spiritual makeup, and we can convince most, most people that, you know, we're quite spiritual people. 
We can be guilty of putting on a show, okay, acting. Uh, the biblical word is hypocrites. Uh, but we need to understand that it doesn't work like that with gods. Okay, we can't fool gods. You know, as one writer puts it, to God, we are all bad actors. No one is up for an Academy Award. We are completely transparent in every attempt to represent ourselves as something we are not. Whether it suits us to act as conquering victors or cowering victims, God knows our true measure. But you don't need to fool God. He accepts you as you are. The cross effectively removes our need to overplay our strengths or our weaknesses. My friend, we cannot fool God. We cannot put on a facade and trick him because he knows all things. And understand that the cross has removed the necessity to try and fool God. Okay, we're, we're accepted in Christ. And hence, when we try to fool God by pretending to be something that we're not, we're not fooling him, we're only fooling ourselves. Number four, God knows what you did and why you did it. Have you ever been falsely accused? Have you ever experienced that? Someone has alleged that uh, you have done something when in reality you have not. But it doesn't matter what you say or, or what you do, uh, you're not believed. And your character is dragged through the mud, the vicious gossip spreads like a contagious plague, and your reputation is in tatters. Okay, accused of something you didn't do, or accused of having impure and improper motives when it just wasn't the case. Have you ever experienced that? I think this is something that most of us have experienced in varying extremes, and I'm sure we, we would all admit uh, it's not nice. It's not nice to be falsely accused, you know, especially in the more serious issues. You know, there are people throughout history who've been falsely accused and ended up imprisoned, and they were guilty. Uh, sorry, and they were not guilty. Imagine that. No, but here's the thing, even if nobody else believes you, even if you get accused of all kinds of bad things, all kinds of bad motives, and you know it's not true, but, but no one else will believe you in those times, my friend, that this is about all that you've got, but it's a wonderful thing. God knows the situation perfectly. And aren't you glad that you don't have to try and convince God you don't have to plead your case. It's not like you have to present uh, the, the, the evidence and then God makes a call on it. Because if that's the case, he could potentially make the wrong call. But rather, he knows exactly what you did. He knows exactly what you didn't do. He knows your motive. And sometimes this is all that we'll have. And in these situations, we have to say, well, at least the Lord knows. But do you know what? That's, that's a great comfort. At least the Lord knows. But this can only be a reality because the Lord is omniscient. Number five, God will judge justly. Okay, if God wasn't omniscient, if God didn't know all things, how could he reward good and punish bad? If God didn't know everything, it would be possible for him to be deceived. Mankind could potentially escape the punishment that is due and others miss out on reward. But since God knows all things, all people, all attitudes, all actions, all motives, he is uniquely qualified as the supreme judge of the world. And he will distribute the just and right rewards or the just and right punishment. His judgment will be infallible because he possesses all the information. But if he were not omniscient, how could he reward good and punish evil? And for those of us who are Christians, again, this is a wonderful comfort. God knows everything that we do for him. God is aware of every act of service, of every sacrifice, whether great or small. Nobody else may know what you do for the Lord. It could all be behind the scenes. You may well have done great things for the Lord, but very few, if any, know about it. My friends, okay, we can be assured that God knows 
all that we've done for him. And he will reward all faithful and sacrificial service, great and small. Okay, there, there is nothing that you offer him that he does not know about. Number six is answered prayer. Have you ever been frustrated by a prayer that isn't answered in the way that you desire? Again, this is something that we will all experience throughout our Christian lives. We pray earnestly, we pray fervently, we, we pour out our hearts before the Lord's, asking him to work in a particular way, but it never seems to be answered. Now, how should the omniscience of God govern how we work through these situations? I would like to say that this is not the only consideration. There are other considerations, but this is an important one. God answers prayer, not in accordance with the way that you and I see things, but in accordance with the perfect way that he sees things. And aren't you thankful for that? Have you ever prayed a prayer and then in the future you're like, man, I'm glad God didn't answer that in the way that I desired because it would have ended up in a really big mess. Because here's the thing, as we're praying, we, we have a very small knowledge base, very small. And our understanding is probably even less. Whereas God has perfect knowledge and perfect understanding. God knows much more than we do. And hence, we need to rest in his perfect knowledge and trust his answer. Understanding that he knows much more than we do. Number seven, confidence in things to come. You know, since God knows all things, including the future, we can have absolute confidence that what God has said is going to happen, will happen exactly as he says. In fact, this is actually one of the greatest evidences of God's omniscience. Okay, anyone can claim, hey, I know all things. Okay, well, we'll prove it. God can go, okay, let's look at some fulfilled prophecy. Okay, that there are very particular and precise things predicted in the Bible that have come to pass with perfect precision. Okay, let's, let's just think about Christ. Okay, hundreds of years before he was born, okay, born of a virgin. Okay, predicted. What happened? Born of a virgin. Okay, it was predicted he would be born where? In Bethlehem. Okay, his family was in Nazareth. How in the world is he going to be born in Bethlehem? Where was he born? He was born in Bethlehem. Okay, the cross was predicted and it happened. Okay, so there's all of this prophecy that has already been fulfilled. So that is the evidence that God is omniscient. And this should give us great confidence and hope. That what God has said will come to pass. Heaven will happen. That's good news. Okay? Everything that God has recorded in his prophetic calendar, it will become a reality. And that is because he knows the future. Okay? When God says something's going to happen in the future, it's already as good as done. Okay? This is a glorious outflow of the omniscience of God. Now, number eight, we need to be aware of the subtle pursuits of omniscience. Okay, this is an incommunicable attribute. Okay, one that belongs to God and not us. Yes, we can possess knowledge, but we don't have all knowledge. And yet, if we're honest, coveting divine omniscience is something we all struggle with in varying ways. Okay, be honest with yourself right now. We like to know things. We like to know everything. We want to know everything about everyone. Okay, we like to know the juicy gossip. Did you hear that story about Brendan? You're like, what story? What story? What did he do? We like to know. Okay, we, we like to dig into other people's business. We want to know the future. Now, isn't it interesting that like fortune telling, future telling goes like all the way back to Genesis? You know, that this has always been a struggle for mankind. We want to know the future. 
Yeah, and this is because it's a universal disease that we covet, divine omniscience. But this is what we need to understand. It's actually God's grace that ensures that we don't know everything because we couldn't handle it. Has someone ever told you something and you're like, I wish you never told me. It, it's crushing me. I've experienced that. Imagine if we had all of this knowledge. Okay, that would be a weight that we could not bear because we're not omnipotent. Okay, that's, that's the next omni. Okay, they're, they're all related. So we need to embrace this good gift from God that takes our limitations into account. And trust that God will reveal to us what we need to know and then trust him with the rest. So we need to be aware of the subtle ways that we pursue and desire this particular quality of God. Number nine, the wonder of the incarnation. Okay, as we come into the Christmas season, uh, Jesus taking upon himself human flesh, what we call the incarnation, this will be in the spotlight. And it's one of the most glorious and spectacular truths that Jesus humbled himself in such a way. It's amazing. And in the realm of omniscience, this is one of the most obvious ways that Jesus limited himself. Jesus subjected himself to the normal learning processes. Jesus increased in knowledge. Okay, in his humanity, okay, it's an important distinction, in his humanity, Luke 2.52 says he increased in wisdom. Okay, that, that is stunning condescension. That Jesus in his humanity would submit himself to the rigors of learning. To sitting under a teacher. Okay, Jesus is sitting under a teacher who he made. Okay, Jesus is progressively grow, growing in knowledge. And this reminds us that Jesus possessed a real humanity. Why, why does that matter? Well, a real humanity meant he qualified to be a real savior to real people like you and me. That is why it matters. Jesus submitted himself to the rigors of learning and then number 10 god's acceptance of us okay and this this is the point that really struck me okay, this this really thrilled me okay i want you to think about this okay if you haven't understood anything tonight okay the last nine points you don't remember let's remember this one god knows us perfectly he knows everything about us, both the good and the bad. He knows our best traits, but he also knows our worst traits. He, he knows the most noble things about us. He also knows the most despicable things that we've ever done. He knows every thought and desire of our heart, both good and bad. He has perfect knowledge of every attitude and action. Nothing that we've ever thought Nothing that we've ever desired, nothing that we've ever said is unknown to him. Our secret sin is not a secret to him. No one else in this world may know, but, but God does. He sees the deepest, darkest corners of our hearts clearly. He knows the absolute worst things about us that nobody else knows. He knows our depravity. He knows our brokenness. He knows our fleshly struggles. He knows about the wicked things that we think. He knows the bad things that we desire. He knows it all. God knows the worst version of us. And truth be told, if other people knew that, they, they might not like us. And yet God has perfect knowledge of it. And he still loves us. Isn't that amazing? God knows everything about us. He, he sees us at our absolute worst, and yet he still loves us. Because his love and his acceptance 
It's not conditioned on our loveliness or our desirability, but rather it's dependent on Jesus Christ. And my friend, because of Christ, God still loves and accepts us, even though he knows everything about us. And that's very good news. And that means that there is nothing that he could discover about us that would make him change his mind. It's like, okay, I saved Brendan back then, but I just learned this about him. I can no longer save him. That that will never happen with God. He'll never change his mind because he knows everything there is to know about us. And because of Jesus Christ, because of his finished work on the cross, we are loved. We are accepted by God, even though... He knows the absolute worst about us. And because of Christ, we are always loved and accepted even on our absolute worst days. Even when we do those bad things. Okay, God sees it all. He knows it all. And I'm not trying to diminish the seriousness of it. But because of Christ, he still loves us and he still accepts us. And I don't know about you, but there is not much news that is greater than that throughout the entire world. God loves us and God accepts us despite knowing everything about us. So this uh, is our God, the one who possesses all knowledge. There is nothing that he does not know, and he has always possessed this knowledge. It's glorious to think about. It's astonishing. And since he possesses this knowledge, surely, surely we should trust him with our lives. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we stand in awe uh, of who you are. Uh, you are uh, a great God. And uh, th this is only one uh, of your perfections that we've considered uh, tonight. Uh, and yet, um, we, we do stand in awe uh, of who you are. And uh, Lord, I, I do pray that uh, our love for you and our desire to know you uh, would grow and increase as we uh, meditate on that which um, we have considered tonight. And Father, I, I do thank you so much that you love us and that you accept us despite knowing everything about us. Uh, all because of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, thank you and praise you for that. And uh, I do pray that this truth uh, would, be, uh, would be motivating us to live our lives for you wholeheartedly. And uh, please uh, keep us safe as we travel home. Until we meet again, we ask this in Jesus' name.